Welcome to the Midnight Podcast. We'll be reading a story called Ten Years Ago, I Lost My Boyfriend and Was Banned from Disney for Life. Last Night, I Got Him Back by Trash Tia. I hope you enjoy it. And huge shout out to you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Any minute now, they would make their appearance like zombies, lost souls. Every night, I timed it perfectly. I learned to count time in the white room that held me, that tried to tell me I was crazy for ten years. I spent every night sitting on a pristine white bed, counting. I counted my own breaths, and then ceiling tiles and individual grains of rice on my dinner tray. When orderlies told me to keep my voice to myself, I counted in my head instead. I wouldn't lose him to time again. It was always... 1am. Always when the park was going dark, and a razor-sharp chill crept into the air, his name twisting and contorting in my throat. A small congregation of loved ones stood with me, maybe five or six people, young and old, all with the same haunted eyes, expressions drowned in pain they were yet to let go of. There was a collective held breath, my own lungs were stinging from forgetting to breathe, my thoughts dancing. The vibration in my pocket snapped me from fruition. But I didn't let go of my breath. I hadn't fully let go of it for ten years, constantly fighting with my lungs to remember how to fully take in oxygen. Ten years and I had never truly left the park. Not really. Sure, I had been physically removed. Dragged, kicking and screaming, thrown into a room with four walls of white oblivion and a single ticking clock staring back. Physically, I had left, and through broken mirrors and silver door handles, the curved lenses of my therapist's glasses, I had aged. I was 18 years old, a senior with my whole life ahead of me. 18 years old, I remembered clinging into the exact gates I stood in front of. It was summer and I remembered the blistering heat prickling on my skin, the security guard's fingernails slicing into the flesh of my sunburned shoulders. Ben was gone. He had been there, with me, the two of us running for our lives. And then he was gone. It's crazy how ten years can pass in the blink of an eye. I can still remember my banshee cries, my begging, my phantom screams trapped in 2011. And yet, bleeding through into the present day. I was 27 years old. The sky was pitch dark, a half-moon casting an eerie glow across the park. The chill was a sharp bite, whipping my ponytail back like the wind itself was telling me what I was doing was a bad idea. I didn't care, wrapping my hands around the cool metal prongs of the towering gate. I was back. Ten years, and I was finally taking him home. 1 a.m. The sharp whispers from the people around me told me it was time. For a disorienting moment, my mind went blank, my thoughts cotton candy. I knew this feeling. I knew the feeling of being unable to breathe, to move, to talk coherently. 1 a.m. had always taken that away from me. I promised myself this time I would not look. My body felt like a dead weight, and I stared at the ground, my heart galloping into my throat. I could hear their shuffling footsteps getting closer and closer, and I squeezed my eyes shut. Lucy? The soft cry turned my gut inside out, 
when I lifted my head, I saw them. Shuffling figures, shadows stretching towards us. I recognized the one in front automatically, beneath the pale glow of the hanging moon. Elsa looked almost ethereal. The girl's face was pale, glowing underneath the light bathing her. I should have seen Lucy. The woman calling her name was sobbing, pressing her head against the bars, but I just saw Elsa. It was almost unearthly, terrifying how the girl resembled the Ice Princess, her iconic white-blonde braid and flowing blue dress trailing behind her. Elsa wasn't alone. Others joined her, moving in a slow stride, their eyes vacant. Mulan, Jasmine, and then Snow White. After them came the guys. I sucked in a breath, but only Jack Frost and Captain Hook appeared, the two of them stumbling into bleeding shadows. It was their shuffled footsteps that scared me. I didn't know why they came out, but they did. 1am, every night without fail, severed from phantom strings, they stumbled toward us like hordes of zombies. Instead of blood and gore, however, there were silk dresses, wigs, and flawless skin. Hook was carrying a sword, while Elsa's crown perfectly sat atop her head. Elsa stopped in her slow stride, her lips stretching into a wide, plastic grin. Others followed. I felt my body tense up, my gut twisting into knots. The way they moved, like puppets dancing on strings, twisted my gut into knots. I like to pretend part of them was still in there, screaming for a way out. Hook wandered over the furthest end of the gate while Snow White and Jack Frost stood perfectly still, their arms by their sides. I didn't like watching, but I couldn't help it. They were like robots awaiting command, empty shells drained of their souls, hanging on puppet strings I couldn't see. The woman calling Elsa's name burst into sobs, reaching out through the metal prongs, trying to reach out. Elsa looked straight through her, still with that unnerving grin. The poor woman's eyes stung my chest. Lucy, it's mom, she whispered. I came back for you. I, I, I will always come back for you, baby. Every night. Mommy will get you out. The woman's sobs broke my heart. Her leaving, strained breaths, splintering the uneasy silence. Lucy stared straight through her mother, Elsa's grin unwavering. Now that she was closer, I could see why her mother was sobbing, could barely control her gasps for breath, slamming her hand over her mouth. Whoever this Lucy girl was, no longer looked human. She looked like Elsa, like she had always been this character, a being not of flesh and blood, but plastic and clay-molded and sliced into the picture-perfect princess. Her eyes didn't blink, didn't flicker or move, permanently wide and exhilarated for children's entertainment, animated. I didn't think a human being could perfect such an expression, and yet she did so effortlessly. Her smile was the copy-and-paste grin from the movie. I wondered how old she was, how old she really was, because Disney characters don't age, and neither do their skin suits. 
From the look on Lucy's haggard-looking mother's face, she had been visiting her for a long time. Lucy's mother didn't eat or sleep or think without her daughter crossing her mind. She reminded me of myself, staring at my ghost through the shattered mirror in the white room. Her skin was pallid and pale, eyes sunken and haunted. Still, though, she was smiling, her eyes darting back and forth in a frenzy. I knew the girl's mom was looking for it. I was trying to find it, too. In all of them. The spark of something, anything that told us someone, even just an ignition of consciousness, was still in there. But no, the cruel reality was, Lucy was dead, and Elsa, Queen of Arendelle, was standing in front of us. The same went for the other kids. Teenagers when they were snatched into the dark, and still teenagers ten years later. Their youth more of a mask for the cruel reality inside. Disney didn't like aging. They wanted to keep the magic. There was nothing human about Lucy, Hooks, Snow White, or any of them. Not anymore. Anything that had been them had been cruelly cut and purged, sliced away to make way for a perfectly sized shell. Hook's smile was a permanent smirk showcasing his personality, while Snow's lips were pressed into a thin, patient line. They never came right up to the fence, always staying a certain distance, like the real world was a bad place and Disney was their home. Lucy cocked her head to the side, grinning at an imaginary crowd only she could see. Her eyes fell into oblivion, drinking in nothing, and that same nothing reflecting in her pupils. I think that was why, after failing to get Lucy's attention, her mother turned and walked away, trembling, her hands over her eyes. She did speak, but rather to the ground than her dead daughter's face. I'll be back tomorrow, my sweet girl, she whispered through the bars. The woman's steps were quickening, her breaths growing labored. Mommy will be back, okay? There was a hesitance in her voice I don't think even she was expecting. I wondered if the woman was lying to herself. Maybe that night had been the last time she went to see Lucy. Her footsteps fled away, retreating into the night, and I found myself almost alone, a teenage boy standing next to me, hands in pockets, rocking back and forth on his heels. The kid stood out like a sore thumb, as if he stepped right out of my memory. At first, I thought I was going mad seeing him mixed in with the small crowd gathered in front of the fence. This kid perfectly captured the essence of the early 2010s, with his plaid shirt, skinny jeans, and worn, scuffed converse, pulling me back to my high school days. Yet, despite his outdated style, the kid's face was undeniably that of a teenager from the 2020s. Odd. He would occasionally lean against the fence, his fingers clenching around the metal bars, frowning at Hook in particular. The boy didn't speak until the sobbing woman's footsteps had faded, leaving the two of us in a strangely comfortable silence. Hey you, he finally murmured, prompting me to turn toward him. Though young, his face was overshadowed by hollow, haunted eyes that I didn't want to question. His eyes said so much and so little, and yet, were somehow aged way beyond his years. His expression was mostly nonchalant, bar a curled lip, 
A tuft of thick brown hair peeked under a baseball cap. He cocked his head, his gaze flicking back to the characters. Do you see Pan? Pan? I said without thinking. Yeah, Peter Pan. I squinted into the dark. The only guys were Frost and Hook. No. The boy sighed, tipping his head back. Hell. Uh, this is the third night in a row I haven't seen him. I couldn't stop myself. My tongue tangled with questions. Are you... I hesitated. I mean, are, are you here for someone? Sort of. He hummed. His expression flickered with intrigue, drinking me in. So are you. I nodded, stepping away from the fence. The kid turned toward the Disney character still standing motionless, his expression darkening. My boyfriend. Ouch. His lip twitched. Which one? I was so used to sympathy smiles, sympathy eyes, that made me want to crawl into the ground. It's not your fault he's gone, people would tell me, hoping that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I was so tired of fake smiles and wide eyes. So the kid's nonchalance was a breath of fresh air. Flynn Ryder. I surprised myself by saying his name out loud, which meant for the first time in ten years, I was no longer in denial. Something in the kid's expression twisted. He turned away from me, focusing on Snow White. I used to know, uh, Flynn Ryder, he hummed. Back when I was charming... The guys slaughtered me and kept him. The kid's words were not what I was expecting, immediately taking me off guard. Suddenly his odd fashion sense was significant. The boy's lip curled, eyes narrowing, like he too was looking for something. It felt like the ground had been ripped from my feet. If this kid was implying what I thought he was implying, then my therapist was wrong, my mom was wrong, everyone was wrong. It was so cold, and yet warmth was slowly spreading through me, bile making its way up my throat. The boy jumped up and down on his heels. Now, I'm standing here in the freezing cold when I should be home, trying to find his little brat of a brother who just had to get himself caught. I was breathless, suddenly. You were one of them? The kid shrugged, pouting. It's complicated. I couldn't stop myself. I, in, in what way? I gestured through the gate. You were one of those things and you got out? I was aware of my voice rising in pitch. His expression growing progressively darker. He studied me like I was crazy, backing away slightly. I pretended not to see the slight glistening in his cheeks, like his skin was made of metal. Like I said, it's complicated, he said. They didn't magically decide to let me go. His gaze found the ground. I was selfish. That's how I got out of there. Selfish? He shot me a sickly smile, and again, there was something about his face that reminded me of the other Disney characters. Why do you think I'm here tonight? I made that idiot a promise. I nodded, dizzily, my chest aching. What was his name? The kid's eyes softened. It's not your Flynn, he said. Trust me, they have multiple on standby. 
He pointed at himself. Charmings, however, there was just me. The kid chuckled. Something about his voice aged him far beyond his youthful face. No kid was interested in the old princes. They wanted Flynn and Kristoff. So they had one model, which, yeah, that was me. I was still waiting for the name, his words going in one ear and out the other. Roman, he rolled his eyes, giving in. His name was Roman, while their Rapunzel was Maya. Roman, I thought, not Ben. So if this kid's friend was Flynn, then what happened to my Flynn? I would describe the feeling as being ripped apart from the inside, being filled with momentary hope only to have it snatched away, unbridled despair taking hold. Just like the day I found him, standing in front of a group of littles, clad in the character's costume, shirt and blue waistcoat, swinging his sword for grinning kids. His smile was too wide, too animated, and this faux prince had my boyfriend's face, his wide brown eyes, the freckles on his nose. Striding over to him, I had shoved the kids out of the way. Where have you been? I hissed out, grabbing his arm. He was so cold. I've been looking for you everywhere. Where did you go? I couldn't breathe, my heart in my throat, because Ben and I found the truth behind the people inside Disney costumes. Now, he was working for them, trapped inside a trance I couldn't penetrate. Tugging at the sleeve of his costume, I tried to ignore his vacant eyes and smile that barely acknowledged me. I shoved him, and he didn't blink. Ben! I grabbed his face, cradling cheeks that were so cold, flesh that had hardened into almost a clay-like substance. When I forced him to look at me, his smile unwavered, his grinning laugh. There was something in his eyes, a flicker of light in his pupils that had hollowed out my boyfriend from the inside, wiping him away. What was left was his face, his frozen, unblinking eyes and too wide smile. When I stumbled away, security guards were already grabbing hold of me. I was dragged away and then thrown inside a white room. I felt like I was losing Ben all over again. I could feel my knees buckling. My body was suddenly too heavy. I knew it. I had always known he was dead, just like Lucy. But I needed to see for myself. I lost, Roman and Maya, the kid continued, his eyes delving into oblivion. Then I got a second chance, and I ran. His voice broke around the words. There it was again, that break in his tone. This kid sounded way older than 18 years old. They gave me a choice. I could either be disposed of properly and ripped from this body, he gestured to himself, or turn in both brothers to the mad mouse himself, granting myself freedom and another chance. I had a hard time figuring out what he meant by this body. The kid caught my eye, lips quirking into a smile that was human, despite everything else about him being anything but. I'm Dylan, by the way, kidnapped in 2011 and turned into a damn doll. That explained his fashion sense. Ignoring his half-hearted salute, I focused on the boy's words. You were one of those things and they let you go? Yeah. He avoided my gaze. 
I was selfish. And I deserve to be selfish. I deserved a second chance. This kid might have been putting on an award-winning performance, but I could see the streaks of vulnerability creasing in his eyes, his body stiffening. Ten years, he said bitterly. I was in there and I was nothing. I couldn't think, or breathe, or taste, or smell. There was nothing, nowhere to escape, and not even a body to kill... To end it, he didn't look at me, his shoulders slumping. I had a chance to breathe again, to see a world that had moved on without me. Got to see my dad again, from afar, because he wouldn't believe it was me. I could see my girl, who's grown up and had two children with my best friend. I don't have family, anyone to come back to, but I don't care, because I'm alive. The kid swiped at his eyes his tone hardening. Don't tell me you wouldn't do the same. Because you don't know the feeling of being nothing, seeing nothing, hearing nothing, just existing and waiting to fade. Straightening up, he shrugged. So yeah, I'm selfish and damn proud. I chose my words very carefully, backing away in one single step. You're still here? I said in a breath, searching his eyes for that light, that spark of nothing that drowned Ben's. They let you go, but you're still here. Why? The guy's lip curled. I told you. I made a promise. To Roman? He nodded. Those guys took his little bro. Dylan arched his neck, pressing his head against the fence. But I haven't seen him in a while. Last time I saw him was two or three weeks ago, and even then, he looked kinda. He drifted off, leaning back and focusing on me. There's a back entrance if you want to see your boyfriend. They open the doors after midnight to do a head count with the higher-ups. Dylan jutted his chin toward Hook and Jack Frost still standing immobile. Hook's grin was unnerving. You can easily get through without being noticed. He twisted to me. But you gotta do me a favor. I found myself nodding, breathless once again at the thought of seeing him again. Even if he wasn't there anymore, even if he had been cruelly scooped out of his body, I needed closure. What do you want me to do? Instead of responding, he helped me get over the gate. I was up and over in a breath, my hands smacking on the concrete. When I jumped up, Elsa was standing several feet away. Being so close to her, I felt sick to my stomach. They're harmless. The kid's voice snapped me out of it, but I was already scanning the dark, blanketing me. Jack Frost's arm shifted. Snow White's smile widened. When the two started toward me, I pressed my hand over my mouth to suppress a cry. Dylan wrapped his arms around the steel bars, pressing his head against the other side. Relax, dude. They probably think you're a kid. Right, I whispered, my heart hammering into my chest. Where, where do I go? Under the silvery light of the moon, Dylan's eyes resembled Ben's. That same light ignited in his pupils. There's a door right behind you, he whispered. It'll lead you straight into the underground tunnels, and if you're lucky, you'll find him in the Scarlet Room. 
His sobering expression told me everything I needed to know. There wouldn't be a happy ending, but I would be getting closure, saying goodbye. I can't say there will be anything left of him, Dylan spoke with sincerity. But it wouldn't hurt to look. Something ice cold slithered down my spine. And what is the favor? His gaze found the ground, hands tightening on the bars. If you see Peter and Wendy, I want you to kill them for me. He didn't wait for me to respond. Trust me, it's a mercy. His eyes found mine and I saw guilt, an agony I could and never would understand, tightening his jaw. Roman's brother is, was, 16 years old, he said in a hiss. I didn't know him, but Zack did. Roman's little bro was a child and they took him, just like his brother and ripped out his soul. Who's Zack? I whispered, phantom crawlies filling my mouth. Dylan looked caught off guard for a moment, undeniable sadness taking hold. Part of me already knew what he was trying to hide. After all, he was an ex-Prince Charming. That is also complicated. Trust me, Zack is a whole other level of complicated that I don't have time to explain. He shook his head. My point is, killing them is saving them. It's setting them free. Before I could start spewing questions, I knew I didn't want the answers to. I twisted around and forced myself to walk. Wait, Dylan hissed. What's your name? Cassandra. I didn't turn around. The kid's voice followed me all the way to the door. Are you sure you want to go in there, Cassandra? No, but I didn't say that. Dylan's words were still haunting the back of my mind when I left him, slipping through the open door, allowing me to bleed into the tunnels. Cold. A chill ran up my spine when the door clanged behind me. The same long, widening tunnel I stumbled through ten years ago stood in front of me. The door from my nightmares that I had drawn on paper. And when my drawing supplies were taken away, I scratched it onto my desk and into my walls. Therapists told me it wasn't real, so I bit all of them. It was real. The prison hidden underneath the park and the trap doors snatching away loved ones, starting forward in a slow stride, I used my phone as a flashlight. Ten years prior, Ben and I wandered down the same tunnel. I remembered his hands entangled in mine, his breaths sharp and heavy, in an attempt to drag me away from the horror. I had described my experience to so many people, and all of them called me crazy. We found a room full of people, Bodies like empty shells lying on metal gurneys. We ran. I thought he was behind me. I thought we had escaped. But he was gone, whisked away into the dark. Ben's disappearance wasn't my fault, they told me. Stop playing make-believe to cope, Cassandra. You were a grown adult. You need to let him go. Mom's voice reverberated in my head as I followed my muscle memory. I remembered everything. The cold flickering white light barely illuminating the tunnel and each steel door. I could feel my body starting to register where I was going, my stomach twisting, a thick paste filling my mouth. I remembered a room filled with Disney characters, new and old, pooling red staining metal flooring, 
and the unmistakable stunk of rot. A sudden giggle echoing down the winding tunnel sent me backing into a door and slipping through the gap. I had to share my eyes, harsh light striking me. It was exactly the same, the room full of Disney characters. But unlike 10 years ago, there weren't half a dozen bodies. Staggering back, I stepped on something fleshy. It was a severed arm, a white shirt sleeve still clinging to mangled flesh. When I turned around, there was a head, and then a torso. Bright red hair that reminded me of Ariel. The girl's eyes were still open. The rest of her, the slithery remains of her other half, poked from a pile of clothes. I did throw up this time, grasping onto my knees and heaving up my dinner. No, not clothes. Bodies. New and old, heads, limbs, and torsos, scattered like doll pieces. I turned to run to get out of there. This room had only gotten fuller through the years, now a dumping ground for unwanted Disney characters. Swallowing my stomach lining, I dropped onto my knees and crawled over to them before I could stop myself, picking through bones and flesh that was still warm. I didn't think about the real skin, slimy and warm, old bones and new bodies, fresh and still warm. I didn't think about eyes that were still open, still blinking at me, parted lips frozen in a scream. These people were the missing kids who were never found, the forgotten and homeless, the disappeared who nobody questioned. Ben. I didn't realize I was sobbing, shrieking into my red slicked hands. He had to be here, I thought hysterically. I found him in a pile, crushed under Anna and Hans, forgotten and left to rot. His costume was glued to his body, one arm missing, an eye plucked from his socket and rubber-looking skin. But it was still him. It was Ben. He was still warm, somehow. When I hugged him to my chest, his body twitched. Ben's eye flickered, his expression flickering. Hi, I whispered. My boyfriend blinked, his lips splitting into a grin, congealed blood welling from his nose. His wide smile didn't waver, stretching across his lips. You broke my sh shoulder. His head twitched with an uncharacteristic laugh. Gesundheit. Listen, Blondie. His fingers formed a fist and then relaxed. I'll take you to see the, the lanterns. Not Ben. With my boyfriend still jerking in my arms, my gaze found a thin plank of wood leaning against the wall. Dylan said killing them was saving them, but Ben was still there, still alive and breathing against my chest. He didn't make sense. His body was more of a doll, a shell, congealed blood and missing limbs. But it was still him. I jumped up and pulled him with me, dragging the stumbling boy with me. You're going to be okay. I managed to get out in a sob, pulling him to the door. Reaching the tunnel, I hurried down the way I'd come, keeping a tight grip around Ben's arm. He didn't speak, his body jerking, a thick reddish sludge dripping down his chin. When I glimpsed a pinprick of light and quickened my pace, that same giggle from earlier brought me to a halt, shivers creeping down my bare arms. She appeared in a blur of blonde curls tied in a baby blue ribbon. I knew who she was automatically, Wendy Darling, 
dressed in her iconic nightgown, when she flew to Neverland. This girl wasn't moving, only standing, giggling at Ben and I. She didn't speak, her empty eyes straight through me. So, I turned around and slammed her directly into Peter Pan. The lack of light in the tunnel drowned out most of his identity, turning him, ironically, into a shadow, but so close to him I noticed he was trembling, his head, like Ben's, jerking to the left and then the right. The kid was undeniably Peter Pan, his costume a bright green tunic with jagged edges mimicking leaves and a pair of matching tights. On his head, the iconic floppy green hat, as my eyes started to adjust to the dark, I could see Peter Pan's all-too-familiar childish smile and mischievous eyes. But he was shaking, sharp breaths coming out in heavy pants. This was the kid Dylan told me to kill as a mercy, him and Wendy. Instead, I held Ben tighter to me. You're Roman's brother, I managed to get out in a whisper. I can get you out of here. The boy didn't move for a moment, his jaw clenching like he was trying to speak before he stepped to the side. I started toward the door, and he brushed past me, muttering a mantra. I don't think I'd ever heard Peter Pan say that. Joining Wendy, the two of them disappeared down the tunnel, and I took my chance, pulling Ben back through the door and back out into the night. Did you do it? Dylan was waiting for me, and I told him the truth. I said I couldn't. He asked me if any of them said anything different, and I told them they were just muttering their usual lines. I think Dylan, despite being a pessimist, still thinks his friends are in there somewhere. I've brought Ben back home, and right now he's resting on my couch. He hasn't spoken, but he's showing promise, clenching and unclenching his fist. There was a knock on the door earlier. I could see Dylan through my window. His knocks sound different almost metallic. Tap, tap, tapping on my door. I don't understand what he wants. His friends didn't say anything out of place. I'm too scared to open the door. Is he going to take Ben away? Peter's lines, however, I don't fully remember them from the movies. When did he say this? First tunnel, rabbit hole, fairy dust, big red button. That's the end of this story. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd love it if you'd leave a comment letting me know your thoughts and like the video if you're so inclined. There is a Discord if you'd like to come hang out with me and some other purveyors, if that's the word, of the channel. It'd be lovely to have you there to hang out with and chat to. Or chat with, I guess, would be proper English. If you'd like to do more, though, if you're feeling overly generous, there is a Patreon. Uh, which obviously helps keep this channel going and helps keep the lights on. But lastly, if you'd like and you consider yourself a writer, you can head on over to storiesaftermidnight.com and send me your story, which will be added to the list of stories to read and put on the channel. So I really hope you're having a great day. I really hope you enjoyed this story. Thank you very much for listening wherever you are, and we'll see you in the next one.